Aloha, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol. I am your host, Mikuni Moon Sayak. In this episode, I interview Dr. Richard Mack. Dr. Mack is a physical therapist and owner of the MMA Doc business. In this episode, Dr. Mack goes into detail of how many combat sports athletes tend to have leaks in their athletic performance due to lack of guidance, structure, experience, and education. Combat sports athletes, take out your pen and paper because this episode is for you. Without further ado, let's get started. Friday night, Kunane Patrol. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol, the podcast with the goal of creating a community of optimal human beings. I am your host, Mikuni Munsayak, and today's optimal human being is Dr. Richard Mack. Dr. Richard Mack, calling all the way from New York. Sir, please introduce yourselves and tell the listeners what it is that you do. All right. So my name is Dr. Richard Mack. I'm a physical therapist. So uh, I've been practicing for over 12 years. Um, been doing Muay Thai for like over eight years or so. Some BJJ, a little MMA, but um, really just more, mostly Muay Thai. Um, I launched my business, the MMA doc, um, a year ago, like uh, almost a year ago, like during the pandemic. And it's really taken off. Um, I've just had a lot of experience just working with like my fellow training partners and fighters and the fight team. And then um, just during the pandemic, I had friends like just in different parts of the world. And we started working together. And then when I launched, things just kind of grew because I just saw a big need of uh, what's going on with uh, combat athletes. So I do have a strength and conditioning background. I do have uh, MDT, which is like McKenzie. I just basically teach people how to rehab their own injuries. So I combined that with uh, my background in strength and conditioning and uh, the results the results have been awesome. They're just trained smarter. They're owning their own injuries and they're doing well. So awesome. thanks for having me. I wish I uh, had met you a few years ago when I first started my MMA journey because I definitely could have used all of your wisdom and expertise because I know I've done a lot of uh, irreparable damage to myself <laughs> just overtraining. Yeah, it's, it's a very common, man. There's, it's, there's uh, so many combat athletes that just train themselves into the ground. And um, generally, I, that message I always put forward is to train smarter and just really have a coach that just watches over you and really just make sure that you're doing things efficiently instead of just volume. And uh, generally, once I make things efficient for them and take out the guesswork, they, they do really well and they're happy with the balance they have with their life and training. So with your when you're working with all these athletes, let's talk about common trends you see as far as combat sports athletes and common trends that are preventing them from performing optimally? Um, a number of them, the, there are different buckets that they fit into. One is the combat athlete that only focuses on skills training. They just, you know, they just, uh, they just keep rolling or just sparring or doing Muay Thai or pads and they don't do any strength and conditioning. And then they notice that when they're doing these long hours in the gym, all of a sudden they get all these nagging injuries that uh, pop up and that's because their body really didn't build up this capacity to handle that load. So that's when you kind of get these quote unquote overuse injuries and uh, combine that with uh, not sleeping well, not recovering well, then obviously they're going to get sidelined. And then when they get sidelined, they get frustrated 
because once it gets better, they rest it and it feels a little somewhat better. They jump in and they double down on it to make up for their lost time. And then so it's just a vicious cycle. So I get them out of that cycle. Oh my goodness. So you're saying that these people are, they don't have like the prerequisites, prerequisite strength at first to, to be like going through the motions that they're doing, which is causing them to have the injuries. Yeah. The, there's just a number of people that um, they just kind of focus on you know, their technique, which is fine. But the thing is, like, as you train for longer and longer hours, especially when you get ready for fight camps and stuff like that, the training loads is just a lot. And um, if you are not building a base level of strength to handle those loads, along with recovering well, like um, you're just asking to get injured in the sideline. And that's when all the combat athletes start looking for quick fixes, you know, the, CBD or massage gun or taping it up. Like they'll always look for a quick fix to get them back on the mats. But if they train smarter, you generally kind of avoid all that. So from a medical standpoint, like what's happening to the body physiologically when these fighters are overtraining and not recovering properly and training through all these injuries, like what's happening to them? Um, basically when you are, don't have a nice base level of strength, um, your muscles and uh, your tendons and, and joints and everything, they, they don't really, and they're not able to handle all that load of, uh, of training. So uh, over time, like uh, once you exceed the load or the capacity of your body, then that's when things kind of start breaking down and it feels like irritated, right? Um, also, when they don't sleep and recover well, that, that's always another issue because the body repairs itself by sleeping well and recovering well and make sure you eat and hydrate enough. And a lot of combat athletes don't do that. So if they are training themselves into the ground, they don't really have this base level of strength. And now they're not sleeping and recovering well. Their body is just always in this state of stress. And it's just going to, quote unquote, I would always say redlining. Like if you're ever in a car, you just put your pedal to the metal and it's just always in that red zone. Over time, it's just going to break down and just fail on you. So you said stress, and that's that's a big thing that I talk to because uh, I do online coaching as well, and I always try to tell my clients like if you're stressed out and your body is not really going to give you the results that you want. So like as far as stress, can you explain to the listeners like what that the cortisol is doing to the body? Um, yeah, cortisol. Uh, obviously, the, the stress levels definitely um, will affect your your food cravings generally um you will tend to hold on to fat a little more because uh, you tend to have uh, a little more stress eating um so if you're not sleeping enough and you know, say you're a combat athlete that wants to make weight like it, it's going to be harder when you don't sleep very well okay um and also you just add when you don't sleep enough you are more prone to injuries like they've done studies on it um i don't know the exact figures but if you are getting six hours or less a night or less than six hours, you are at high risk of injuries. And when you start getting like seven to eight to nine, then your risk of injuries are a lot less. So those are things I really kind of uh, hammer down with my athletes and I monitor them because, uh, you know, I do have a whoop and I have uh, my athletes wear a whoop and I just monitor everything for them and take the guesswork out of that, just coach them on it. I know there's some people who will like to flex the fact like, oh, I can run off of four hours of sleep or five hours of sleep. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, bro. But I mean, if you want to be like optimal, you need more than five hours of sleep, right? Yeah, it's, it's huge, right? The, the team knows sleep, uh, that 
that's just like team injured team not making it to the top levels um, very any combat athlete that is uh, serious about training and they want to make it to those elite levels like you really have to get all your habits down and just build a solid foundation because uh, if you are not sleeping well you don't do any strength training or anything like that and you're just kind of patching up your injuries good luck trying to make it to those elite levels and then even make it to the top of that because generally when you get all the really big fish they tend to have those things in order because they understand that nothing goes to waste they don't want to leave anything to chance yeah i think we need to start glorifying people to take this more balanced approach because right now on social media i just think people are too obsessed with going ham going extreme doing things like david goggins challenge and just destroying themselves and it's this culture that uh is being built up and i especially even for the younger generation like i don't want them to keep doing that to themselves <laughs> yeah um i have like an older comment after he's not old but he's like in his 30s and his goal is like he wants to you know make it to like um the ultimate fighter like ufc and stuff like that and the thing was like he's had years of bad coaching like it was just training him into the ground he didn't recover well or anything like that. He was always felt beat up injuries and stuff like that. And, you know, you can look at his account and when he did with a previous coach, it looks cool. Like these Instagram worthy exercises, but the thing was he was always trashed and it didn't do well for his performance until I really started cleaning up his routine. Now he's recovering a lot better. He's able to push harder during his skills training. And he's like, wow, I feel a lot better. I was like, yeah, because you're recovering better. So I really kind of uh, clean things up stick to the fundamentals and then from there on then we can kind of like progress things along all right so if anybody's listening to this recovery is crucial guys make sure you get your recovery in because that's where your adaptations happen so doc i see you're a big um advocate on not just lifting like if you're an mma fighter you shouldn't be lifting crossfit you shouldn't be lifting like a power uh bodybuilder you should be lifting sports specific weights um can you explain your concept on that, your opinion on that? So, um, so for combat athletes, like if you're lifting, it's, it's fine. It's better than doing nothing. But the thing is, as you become more serious about your training and you really need this balance of stuff, that's when, uh, you know, lifting like a power lifter or lifting like a crossfitter doesn't quite serve your needs because let's say like a power lifter, yeah, they just focus on heavy lifts and, and it's fine. I had a number of people that did power lifts, but then they always complained to me like, Hey man, I feel slow. I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, I'm stronger, but I just feel slow. And I was like, okay, because there's no progressions to it. It's not just lifting five by fives. Like I take them through progressions of things and it's like, okay, you know what? We build a base level of strength. Now let's start working on your power and explosiveness. And generally they feel more balanced with those things. Um, with crossfitters, like, yeah, they're doing explosive movements and stuff like that, like high intensities and stuff like that. But the issue is that um, CrossFitters like to overtrain. They just kind of like, you know, train to the point where they're just on the floor in a pool of sweat and exhausted. And the thing is, if you're doing skills training and you're doing that as well, then you're just asking to get injured and just worn out. And basically uh, you're hindering your progress. So I really kind of like take that guesswork out and be like, this is what you need keep things efficient so you can make the most out of your skills training. And generally once they understand that, they feel a lot better with their performance. 
think if they understood the, the concept, like there's that said principle, right? Specific adaptations to impose demands, then they things would mm -hmm. make sense. Like you don't want to just squat whatever, deadlift whatever. It has to be like specific lifts that are going to help your technique to be stronger and more efficient, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so it really all depends on like um, their lifting experience or injuries and stuff like that. So it really has to be customized to you. Um, some people can get template workouts and it's okay, but then others like the template workouts are just so complicated and it doesn't suit their needs that they just wasted their money. So what do you recommend? Because I mean, as a mixed martial artists and combat sports athletes, there's a lot to learn and they got so many things to focus on. So how can they balance skills training as well as strength and conditioning? I would say, um, just get a coach, like generally a knowledgeable coach. It, it really helps. Like, obviously I'm a coach and, but um, it really takes out the guesswork of things. Uh, there's just so much things overwhelmed. I have a number of combat athletes that they just don't have the time because uh, they don't have the time to research every single thing and then understand like what's good information, what's bad information. And, um, you know, they're busy working. It's not like they just train all day and, and they can live off that. They have to work, they have to balance life, family and stuff like that. So once I kind of offload a number of stuff off their plate, then they are mentally a lot better, but physically a lot better too, because now they just know like, all right, this is what I just need to do. Yeah, like I said, I wish I had met you years ago because uh, when I first came, I just had just a jujitsu coach or just an MMA coach and no one to really handle all of the different aspects. And like you said, take the guesswork out. And that would have been so much better for me years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I, life is short, man. Life is short. And, you know, you don't want to waste your time just doing all the guesswork, you know, especially as you get older and then injuries piled up. And then all of a sudden now you're like, oh, man. Like, am I going to last in this sport? But if you start training smarter at an earlier age, then you, your career just lasts a lot longer. All right. So to everyone listening, train smarter, not always harder. Train smarter first, then harder, I guess. Right. That's the order. Yeah. Like, generally, once you kind of find like this optimal balance of stuff, then we can start pushing things along the way. But uh, I always make sure there's a solid foundation first. Then we can start playing around with stuff. Do you do um, a lot with mindset training as well? Yeah, uh, there's a number of um, athletes that I have. Uh, generally, I will improve their strength and conditioning and stuff like that. But then all of a sudden, like I've noticed that I've made them better people. They're just a better person overall. They're sleeping better. They have better habits. They're eating better. They're more mindful of stuff. Um, they have more confidence. Um, there's one, like I have one athlete. He was always nervous, but he's doing a smoker this weekend. And I just really just kind of like, Worked on his mindset. Like, dude, you need to believe in yourself. I sent him a book just about sending, making uh, affirmations about yourself. And he feels more confident about himself now. He's enjoying the process versus, oh my God, this is coming up. What am I going to do? So mindset is very key. So um, generally, once you start believing yourself, then you kind of put out that true self to the world. And then generally your results will show so powerful um so if anybody's listening to this i hope you guys can start doing these positive affirmations because like when i tell people about doing positive affirmations they're like oh, okay yeah just speak good thoughts but there's something powerful about it like when you tell your like you tell yourself something enough times you'll believe it you know what i mean mm -hmm. so if, why, might as well start telling yourself the right things yeah it, it worked for my own self with my business like in the beginning when i launched i was like oh man you know like 
you know, am I good enough on this or for this and all that stuff? But after a while, like, you know, when we chat, like, I just know, like, hey, I know my shit. So it's like, I know my shit. The results show, like, all right. So, like, there's no nervousness. I like, I just know it. Nice. So what is your opinion on, like, hard sparring? Because that's a big topic that uh, a, new, a lot of newbies are talking about nowadays. And mm -hmm. it's a hot topic. So what's your opinion on hard sparring? Hard sparring, maybe if you're in getting ready for a fight and your fight can't, like it has its purpose at some times, but frequent hard sparring is just not worth it, um, especially with concussions. Generally, concussions are often missed. Um, I always watch over my fighters with that. Uh, generally, if they have hard sparring, they complain of a headache. I was like, okay, you probably have a concussion. You need to like lay off uh, the sparring for a while and then we kind of uh, monitor your symptoms. But um, generally, they don't understand what a concussion is. They think, oh, yeah, if I get knocked out, I have a concussion. But no, if you get your bell rung, or you get a little lights or feel a little nauseous or headache, you probably have a concussion. And the thing is, if you don't fully recover and you get another concussion, then you get an additive effect. So basically, you just dug a bigger hole for yourself. And now it's much harder to climb out of. And that's when people start having a lot of these issues. Oh my, so what would be your opinion on the, what's your opinion on those guys who like take fights after fights after fights without recovering enough in between? <laughs> uh, it's uh, not the best idea. Like I'm sure you know, left way and stuff like that. They get uh -huh. knocked out and they have like what, three minutes to recover and jump back in. Like they, they're not going to last very long because you got a concussion and now you're going to get another concussion. Like your career is going to be very short and you know, the bad stuff happens to the brain when you get that additive effect. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a life after fighting, so it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's cool probably for your ego at the time. But I mean, if you want to think longevity and you want to do this for a while, then <laughs> concussions and taking care of your brain is something you guys got to really think about. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what is what would you recommend for like best equipment? Cause I mean, during these COVID times, now everybody's working out mostly at home. Uh, what are your best, um, the best equipment for home, home workouts for combat sports athletes? Um, with combat athletes, I, I have a number of them that had to just work out during lockdowns because gyms were closed. So I always just tell them like, Hey man, let's uh, get a set of stackable resistance bands, sandbag. Okay. Pull up bar. And then uh, we can go from there. And generally, I have you know, a heart rate monitor with my athletes. So I can monitor their cardio. But, um, yeah, I could get a lot of stuff done with just that. Um, so why do you prioritize? I see you do a lot of work with the heart rate monitors, that, the stuff that you post. Um, that's not something I was into at first, like even tracking those numbers. But now that I pay attention to my heart rate and, and during my workouts, it's, it's added a, a different element. So why do you encourage using heart rate monitors? <laughs> Uh, heart rate monitors, like um, kind of like what I do, I just take the guesswork out of things, right? So if you were just doing it by feel, um, you don't really know how hard you're working. And um, generally, a lot of combat athletes they just like to run for miles and stuff like that by feel. They're like, oh, yeah, I ran it in a six-minute pace or whatever. And yeah, that's cool. But the thing is, um, for the adaptations that goes on in the body, like you really have to work at certain levels. And generally when I view that data and I understand like, all right, you're working at this level, you're recovering at this level, or you're able to maintain at this level, then I know like, all right, these are the uh, positive adaptations that are going on in your body that will help your gas tank 
So um, a lot of my athletes, they just notice that their gas tank has tremendously improved because I really kind of monitor stuff and, uh, and guide them along the way with that. That's so awesome that you monitor data rather than just like, just because the average coach will kind of just be like, oh, just look at them, just eyeball things. But you have the actual numbers to, to run things off of, which is going to help the um, fighters and the athletes be more optimal and efficient. That's fantastic. So what is your uh, best advice to fighters like after a tough fight? Uh, after a tough fight, you definitely got to recover. Make sure you don't have a concussion. Um, really, you know, just kind of eat, hydrate enough. And then, uh, you know, there's that always that mentality that uh, jump right back into training the Monday right after a fight. But if your body's not ready, you may need a, a little rest period. And then you go because fight camps are brutal, man. I've worked with a number of fighters and uh, they just go through fight camp. They put their life on pause, right? They just time away from their spouse, their family and everything just to focus on fight camp. And uh, you almost have to reset and just kind of get that balance again. And then get back to work because uh, if you just say, oh, well, I'm just going right to the gym right after a fight and just keep continuing, generally they all burn out either physically or mentally. They're just like, all right, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I remember after my first Muay Thai fight back in Vegas, I tried to go back in the gym like this the Monday after and I couldn't even do a push-up, man. I was so, so weak. My arms were still sore from getting kicked in the arms. And so yeah. <laughs> never again with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's common, right? That's uh, the old school mentality. And uh, generally, my message is always about kind of uh, finding that balance and then really training smarter. So hopefully those uh, those old school mentality approaches kind of uh, fades away and then people are training efficiently now. Yeah, hopefully. Because I, I one thing I tried to uh, tell them is that your body's not just going through physical stress, like the, the anxiety of the fight leading up to the fight. That's a lot of stress that's being put on you as well. And that's weeks and weeks and weeks. And especially the day of the fight, like that's a lot of stress that your body's going through. So you got to recover from yeah. that. Oh, yeah. That, that adrenaline, like, you know, a lot of fighters get that adrenaline dump or afterwards, they just feel like they just want to go to bed. They're just wiped out. So. Or just the fact you that gotta recover after, from that after dehydrating yourself and then fighting for your life for 15, 25 minutes, like, man, your body is so trashed after like, give yourself time to recover. Yeah. 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 Especially if they're doing bad weight cuts, you know, they're, they're just drained. <sighs> That's a whole nother topic. Uh, do you lead your fighters through weight cuts as well? Um, Somewhat. None of the none of these um, fighters really are doing weight cuts yet. Uh, there's I have one pro fighter, but he's always on weight. Like, so that's good. Like, I generally I always recommend fighters to be really near their fight weight. Like, it, you, the dramatic weight cuts and all that stuff, like it doesn't serve them well because um, you know once you cut all that water out, it puts a lot of stress on your body, and when you don't hydrate enough, like you're gonna feel a little worn out but also you're more prone to concussions as well. So it doesn't serve you well to do all these crazy water cuts. Do you have any research or um, evidence? Um, I don't know, like stuff that you've heard or read about long-term <clears throat> effects on weight cut on the body and, and what it does? Um, I don't have any studies on me. I do remember reading something where they, the performance differences between someone like cutting like more water weight versus someone that's a little more on par with their weight. Um, the performance 
advantages wasn't as much. But, you know, obviously it depends on the weight class too. It's like if someone's just coming in tremendously bigger, then yeah, that's a, that's a big issue. But, you know, it's not good for their career because uh, you're just cutting so much water out. But I mean, like, like what, in your opinion, with these people doing these weight cuts, like every three months, every three months, years, mm-hmm. years over and mm-hmm. over, what do you think that will do to the body long term? Um, there is a dietitian that I do follow. She did kind of mention like the, the dramatic weight loss and that it does affect you because also now your, your ability to just, uh, gain muscle is affected and you just generally put on more fat because of this yo-yo dieting all the time. Because so generally, if you are used to blowing up between fights and then trying to work your way back down in a fight camp. Like over time, you're just wrecking your body. So generally, if you are more in line with your fight weight and you don't really have to cut much weight, like uh, you will be healthier in the long run versus all these dramatic cuts. Yeah, I, I fight at 155 and I try to stay around 165, 167 just so. That yeah, that's good. Plastic. Yeah, that's good. They're like, you know, you don't want the people that they're like 185. Like, yeah, I'm going to drop down. Never, dude. I would never, ever want to cut that much weight. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. So what would an optimal training session look like to you? Because, I mean, I know it's going to depend very on the in, on the individual. But, I mean, if you were to craft, like, an, something, an outline, a perfect workout, what would it look like? Like, stretch first, warm up first, uh, do, like, a ballistic, I don't know. Like, what would be your optimal training session? Uh, it- I would just say a training week okay, would be okay. more optimal depending on what's going on. Like they'll get their number of skill sessions per week, maybe like three, four, maybe five or so. But then the strength training, depending on what's going on with that, you know, sometimes I may get them two or so, two or three, depending on how much they can handle cardio sessions. It could be like um, generally like about three or four, really depending about what's going on. But I, I tweak those things along the way to really depending on what's going on with the fighter. I have another fighter that's really busy with school, you know, grad school and working and fighting and stuff like that. I really have to tweak her schedule just to make sure that she's recovering well enough, but she's still pushing the needle forward. And then I have another fighter that, you know, it's not as busy, so I can push the pace a little more or the loads, and he's responding really well as well. So that's that's where the coach kind of takes that guesswork out. So in a week, uh, strength and conditioning, what, twice a week, three times a week? Yeah, two, three, depending on what's going on. You know, it really depends on your um, fitness levels, your life. Like, it, it really depends. And, um you know, once I really speak with my athletes, I was like, okay, this is probably a better schedule for you. And let me know how you do with this. And then generally they say, oh, this is really good. Or, hey, at some points, life is too much. I was like, okay, you know, we're going to cut this out. I'll do this. I'll leave this in. Your fitness level is okay at this level. Okay, so I'll take this session out and we could focus on that. And then generally, and then when I monitor their training loads, see how how hard they're pushing during their training. And it's like, okay, you're really pushing this much. You probably don't need this type of session right now. We'll just focus on something else. So. So for cardio, um, is it possible to have good cardio for combat sports without running? Um, yeah, I, you can. Like running, they always think like you need to run all the time. You don't have to run. There's just 
people do airdyne, you know, people bike or anything like that. It's really about maintaining your heart rate and really carrying it over into your sport because uh, you can do all the cardio you want, but you're not carrying it over into your training and you just gas out. So I always make sure that there's a carryover. So the guys who are running 10K religiously just to run it, you wouldn't advise that because it's probably just going to end up destroying their knees and it's not really specific for the sport. No, it really depends. Some people enjoy the 10Ks and stuff like that. But, you know, do you need to run a 10K every single day, like in Thailand? Like, probably not. But, um, you know, it depends. Like, I'll have some athletes run a 10K and that's okay. But I, I wouldn't make them run every day. You know, it really depends on what's going on with them. Um, if they have a bunch of uh, injuries, then, yeah, I may modify things. But running is safe. It's not going to wreck you. I just think that it's interesting that the culture, because I was talking to a, another fighter and he said that in Thailand, the culture is, is to overtrain you and to really run you in the ground. And that's just yep. how they've been doing it for ages. And that's just the culture. And uh, mm -hmm. I feel like we shouldn't just stick to tradition. We need to evolve, right? <laughs> yeah. So I have uh, some fighters in Thailand and uh, one was a, a pro fighter. Um, he had that issue where he was just doing the Thai way and just training himself into the ground. He would get sick often. And just didn't really feel good. And then uh, once I really cleaned up his training, got a heart rate monitor, really monitor his loads, um, he just noticed that he was getting fitter in a quicker amount of time versus to what he was doing before. So keeping things efficient, he got more gains. Damn. Uh, okay. Um, being aware of your time, uh, let me ask you two more questions. What's your opinion oh, on headgear for sparring? Uh, headgear for sparring. So headgear really prevents uh, cuts and bruises and stuff like that. It doesn't really prevent concussions. So if you think like I have some headgear, I can wail away and it's safer. No, like it's, it's not. Um, because uh, what goes on in the brain, it's uh, concussions are a stretch injury of the brain. It's not your, your brain just slamming into your skull. It's like it's a stretch injury and then it, um, retracts and then all of a sudden the brain gets really excited and uses all this energy and then it drops and then the energy levels of the brain just drops and that's like a what we call a massive energy depression of uh, what's going on in the brain and then uh, that's how a concussion occurs so if you're using headgear and you're hitting hard and stuff like that the brain is still stretching it's not it's not going to prevent anything with that it will prevent you from getting cuts but you know it, it won't prolong your career as a fighter using headgear for concussions because, just because you have a headgear guys doesn't mean you guys can go gung-ho and start blasting each other in the head because yeah. concussions can still happen and your head's a bigger target and sometimes with the headgear you can't see what's coming right so if you can't see what's coming uh you can't really brace yourself for it and then all of a sudden you get a little like a uh, quick hit and your chin rotates then all of a sudden you get a concussion so generally that's what happens yeah, the ones that I hate most are the ones that come across here. Those headgears yep. that block the nose yep. because you can't see when they change levels. And then you yep. just caught with uppercuts and body shots all day. Yep. Oh, man. Okay, last question. What does optimal human performance mean to you, Dr. Richard Mack? Uh, optimal human performance. That basically means a balance with everything. So optimal human performance, balance with your training, strength and conditioning, your life. There's, there's a, a big thing that I really focus on a number of my athletes that 
they are enjoying life, not just focusing on training all the time. So generally there's a mental aspect to it. So when they feel good about their training and they're making the gains and not taking so much time away from their personal life, they generally are more at peace with themselves because if they're just training all the time, getting frustrated, spinning their wheels, not knowing what to do, what to do and, and seeing the gains that they like, then I would say, yeah, you need a coach. And once the coach really kind of uh, takes that guesswork out and provides that balance, overall, your life just becomes a lot better. All right. You guys heard it from Dr. Richard Mack. Get some balance in your life, guys, and work with a professional so you guys are stop guessing and run yourselves into the ground. Yeah. All right. So I, I do have a training pipeline worksheet. So the link is in my bio and a number of people love it because they really didn't look at those aspects of their training because they just think, oh, it's just skills training and strength conditioning. It's like, no, it's just your sleep and recovery, how you injure, how you, you know, how much you eat and also like how you manage your injuries. Generally, once you get all those uh, leaks sealed up, generally your performance is a lot better on fight night. But if you have all these leaks, like you're just struggling on fight night. I agree 100%. Once I got my, uh, my sleep in check, my hydration in check, my nutrition in check, started managing my stress, then everything started just feeling way better, like mentally, physically, just everything. So where can the listeners reach you at? Instagram, Facebook? Uh... Instagram, just hit me up uh, at the MMA doc. Um, you can always DM me um, and we can always chat. Definitely download the, my free training pipeline worksheet. It's always something if you're serious about being a combat athlete um, always really to sit down and really analyze your training and to understand like there's probably some leaks to steal up and really make things more efficient for you but yeah once you dm me we chat and i understand like all right you may benefit from having a coach then yeah we'll chat and we'll work it out cool so all you combat sports athletes who might be overtrained or might have injuries or you just need some help Hit up the MMA doc and he can help you guys out. Dr. Richard Mack, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Any last shout outs before we close this up? No, but thanks for having me, man, because uh, the message is growing and I, you know, business is growing on my end and it's just a big need for combat athletes. So I just want more combat athletes to just kind of start training on the right path and generally just kind of fulfill their dreams. I think there's a bigger need for medical professionals who practice combat sports so they can have a better understanding uh, from, from our perspective as well. So God bless you and thank you so much for what you do. <laughs> thank you, man. All right, Dr. Richard Mack, thank you so much. This is Mikuni Munsayak signing out. Aloha. Mahalo for listening to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol. Feel free to follow my journey at Kunani Patrol on Instagram and Mikuni Munsayak on Facebook. Lastly, if you were motivated, inspired, or learned something new from this podcast, please support this show by clicking the Patreon link in the podcast description. Even just $1 a month would help support this show of creating content to help you all live your best lives. This is Mikuni Munsayak. Signing out. Aloha.
Friday night, Kunane Patrol.